0: You know, I was thinking, I always try to think about who am I preaching to, and, and what are things going on, and what do we need, what do I need to hear, what do I want our young people to hear, all of those questions that kind of go into to the lesson, and, and how we're going to approach the lesson that is before us, and you know, I was just especially thinking this week about all the different things that people are dealing with. I mean, we, uh, just kind of this amazing thing that we could go around the room and everybody's dealing with something. Aren't you? Doesn't everybody have something? And some people may say your thing is not that big of a deal. And some people may say your thing is a a really big deal. But I'm going to tell you all the stuff I deal with, it's a big deal. In my head, if if nowhere else, right? I, I was thinking about, about people that are having issues on their job. You know, and should this happen? Should that happen? Is this the right choice? Is that the right choice? I thought about our young people going to school every day, learning relationships, developing into men, developing into women. I mean, there's a lot there, right? I thought about people that are struggling with their health. You know, it's almost a a daily thing to get an update of how is so-and-so doing. And, and that wears me out, and I'm not even the one that's sick. But a lot of people are living that. A lot of you are living that. I thought about people that are having struggles in their, in their relationships. Maybe with their husband, maybe with their wife, maybe with their children. I mean, we can kind of run the gambit, don't we? I thought about people that are even facing death itself. You know, I, I, I thought about the All-Britain family, Mr. Donnie's passing, and I thought about, I thought about Mary's mother I heard about last night, Miss Evelyn that had passed away. It's a lot to deal with. And I don't know what you're dealing with. And I don't know if you're dealing with it as a 13-year-old girl or an 80-year-old woman. I, I, I don't know. But, but if you're dealing with it as a Christian There's something different. You see, everybody in the world has stuff. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're you're, you're going to have issues and struggles in life, right? God sends the rain upon the good and upon the wicked. We we understand that. But but if you're a Christian, there's something different. At least there's supposed to be something different. And the thing that is different is our faith. Right? Right? That's what Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When he's talking about facing death itself, not just somebody else's death, he's talking about facing our own death. When I put off this tabernacle, when I put off this tent, when I go to be with the Lord. But but he says, we are of good cheer for what? For we walk by faith and not by sight. And, And we know those words, and those words are not, uncommon to us you're not saying man what a what a unique idea that we should walk by faith but i want us to think about do we really walk by faith do we live our life and handle the struggles of life however you would have filled in the blank just a moment ago maybe it's something that everybody in this room knows about maybe it's something that only you know about but do i handle those things do i react to the situations of life through the lens of faith. Because Paul says that's what a Christian does. And that's what makes all the difference so that we can have hope on the very worst day of our life. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We think about that great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, right? these incredible men of God who did these amazing things, and we look at them, and and we almost want to say they're like superheroes, right? I mean, it must have been easy for them to do what they did because they're, they're Bible characters, and I could never be like that. Scratch that from your mind. All the people in Hebrews chapter 11 are men and women just like you. And for most of them... I personally have some information about some pretty horrible choices in their life that goes beyond most of the people in this room. They're normal people who did amazing things. But they did amazing things not because they were so special, but because they walked by faith. That whole chapter begins with this, with this understanding that, that faith, it is, it is the assurance, it is the, the substance of the things that are hoped for. It's the evidence or, or, or the conviction of things that are not seen. That there's something beyond right here. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that what life does to us? It's right here, whether you want it to be or not. It's in your face, and I see it, and I'm reacting to it. And faith says there's something beyond that. There's something beyond what I see. There's something beyond what I understand. There's something beyond what I control. There's something beyond my strength. For by it, the men of old gained approval. How did they do what they did? How in the world was Abraham? How in the world was he willing to offer his son Isaac? How in the world could Sarah believe as an old woman she could have a baby? How in the world could Noah and his sons build an ark that would survive a global flood? How in the world would Gideon go out and lead his men into battle? How in the world do people stand even to the point of being sawn in two in defense of their faith? How do you do that? How do you keep from being overcome, overwhelmed? You guys all know that feeling? I'm overwhelmed. There's one word. There's one answer. And that's faith. It's this understanding that there's something beyond what I see. There is a spiritual reality and that reality changes everything. If I have a purpose in the lesson this morning, it is that we will not only think about the struggles of our life, but that we will take a moment to think about what does faith say about that? What is the response to that situation, either in my words or my deeds or my very feelings that incorporate this idea that there's more to this situation than just what I see? I want you to ask that question. I want you to ask that question about whatever it is, whenever it is that you're dealing with it. I want you to ask that question about your own salvation. Do we really walk by faith? Can I tell you what I'm really good at? I'm really good at walking by sight. I'm really good at just analyzing a situation and then responding to that situation. These are the facts, right? Some of you guys old enough, you watch Dragnet, right? When some of you guys say, What's dragnet? But bear with your seniors, okay? Just the facts. Just give me the facts. I'm good at that. I'm comfortable with that. Aren't we? It just kind of comes natural to us. I thought about one of the one of the disciples, Philip. Philip was really good at the facts. He was really good at what I can see, right? But it really hurt Philip. I mean, it really held him back. I'm not saying that Philip wasn't a, wasn't a Christian. Obviously, Philip was a Christian. Philip was one of the twelve, right? I mean, he was one of the pillars of the church. Philip will have some special place in the judgment if history tells us anything. Philip had such faith that he was stoned for his faith just, just within the time of the New Testament. I mean, he had faith, but but I don't think it came easy to him because Philip was always responding with Here's what I see on paper, and forgetting about the things that are not seen. Forgetting about the things that he really needed to see or really needed to understand. And so because of that, when you look in Philip's life, and we're not going to trace everything in Philip's life, just, just maybe one or two accounts this morning, Philip was constantly, he was constantly the pessimist. He was constantly the one who would have something negative to say. You guys know people like that? You guys know people that they're always the one who has something negative to say? I mean, we have people like that in our family, right? Like, if there's something negative to be said, you know who's going to say it, right? We have those things in the church, don't we? I mean, if there's something negative to be said, you know who's going to say it. It, 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 That happens. Not because people aren't good people, not because they're they're not Christians, but because they struggle. They struggle to go beyond what is seen. We struggle to walk by faith, and that's what especially I think we see in the life of Philip, that he was very, well, the screen says, he was very earthly-minded, rather than being heavenly-minded. I understand exactly why Philip was the way that he was. But I don't want to be that way. And I think by the time we get to the end of his life, Philip didn't want to be that way. He wanted to trust more. He wanted to think about that spiritual reality. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. It's an incredibly well-known passage of Scripture. But Jesus and his disciples are, well, they're struggling with, well, they're struggling with, with some of those good problems. You know, there, there are bad problems that you have to deal with, and then there are good problems that you have to deal with. Is that right? I mean, so, uh, well, you guys all know what a bad problem is, but, but hey, what if we said, uh, we don't have enough room in our classrooms for all the people that are coming to Bible class. Um, we we don't have enough room in the parking lot for all the people that are trying to come and worship God. Okay, now that's a problem, and you, you have to deal with it, right? I mean, in some ways, the reason that we're sitting in this building is because the church the, the, the church that met on the corner of Forest and Park began to bust at the seams, right? And it's like we got to do something. We got to do something with for all of these people. And if that growth is going to continue, then then wh- wh- where are we going to put it? Well, so here we are. Now, that was, a, that was a problem, but it was a good problem. You want to have problems like that. I hope we have that kind of problem again here. Don't you? I mean, it would definitely be a problem. It would take a whole lot of meetings and a whole lot of discussion and a whole lot of sacrifice to fix it. I get it. But wouldn't that be a good problem to have? Of course. So churches have good problems and they have bad problems, but you have to deal with both of them. Well, well, here in, in, in John chapter 6, Jesus is dealing with one of those, well, he's dealing with one of those good problems. That there was a great multitude that was following him. Because they were seeing that they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. So all these people were coming. Don't you like it when people start getting excited? That's that's how the church grows, right? People don't come just because we come. They come because there's something to see. They come because something significant is going on. People's lives are being changed. People are being transformed. And and in this context, people were seeing even miraculous things. Can you imagine if there was such a thing as a as a real life faith healer? There's lots of fakes in this world today. And Well, you know, even the fakes people flocked by the thousands to see. Jesus was the real deal. He actually was healing people. He actually was giving sight to blind people. He actually was causing people who couldn't walk for their entire lives to get up and walk. He was actually calling people out of the grave. You you think that'd attract a crowd? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm just I, I, my back's been bothering me for a good while, and I'm thinking I think I'd want to go see Jesus. And I know you might say, well, that's one of those things where you can't see. And okay, I'm, I'd be good with it if nobody could see it, but you just make it feel a little bit better. But what if, what if you were blind? What 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 if you've been dealing, dealing with an issue for months and years and decades? People were coming to see because Jesus was something that you wanted to see, and 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 they're looking there, and thousands of people are coming. And you, you try to quantify what this would have been like. What would it be like this morning if five thousand people showed up to worship God in this place? We got a problem, don't we? We gonna do with five thousand people? It's a it's a pretty big auditorium we're sitting in here, right? You come yes weekend, it's, kind of a, it's one of the cooler weekends to come. And, and, you know, sometimes on Sunday morning we might push eight, 900, maybe a 1,000 people. It's great. The singing is awesome, right? I mean, it's one of the big highlights of the year. So be, this is just a, just a great time. Okay, but what do you do when there aren't just 1,000? What do you do when there are 5,000? You got a solution for that, Jonathan? You know leadership classes and all this stuff we're gonna do with 5,000 people i don't know they didn't know either so that they're looking at all these people and they've got one of these problems and and verse 5 says that jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing the great multitude that was coming to him said to philip where are we to buy bread that these may eat so not only are we trying to figure out where we're going to send all these people, we've got to feed all these people. Remember, hospitality is this thing you need to provide for people as they come. And it's not like they're just driving across town. They can go home for lunch or there's, or there's 80 restaurants. Going. I mean, it's a very nomadic sort of, sort of situation there, right? And people are traveling great distances. And what are we going to do with all these people? And I don't know if the disciples are even thinking about what to feed them, but Jesus brings it up. Where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? For we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm just saying you have a big problem on your hands. And they had a big problem on their hands. How am I going to deal with that? Now, interestingly enough, Jesus wasn't asking this question because he was at a loss also. Jesus is not at a loss in regards to your situation. Jesus isn't at a loss in regards to my situation. I forget that sometimes. Don't we? Because I think if I'm lost, then everybody else is lost. If I don't understand what's going on or how good could come of this, then nobody else does. That's incorrect. Listen, when, when Joseph was carried away as a slave, when Joseph was rotting in a prison cell, When people were making up the most terrible lies about him. When Joseph's brothers were trying to kill him. Did God have a plan? You better believe he did. Did Joseph know anything about that plan? No. But he had faith. Faith that would grow throughout his life. Those things are there to remind us when we're in our own seasons of life. Dealing with our own issues. Whatever they may be. I know it's a big deal to us. God's in complete control. So he wasn't he wasn't losing his mind saying, "What in the world are we going to do? We got 5,000 people that showed up and how are we going to feed all these people?" This he was saying to him to test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. It's it's this interesting thing that that I can't prove it. One day I'll ask the Lord about it, but I'm convinced that that Over and over in our life, God sets us up. He sets us up to win. You ever have, you ever have a a coach or a teacher who who sets you up to win? Right. Like they're they're asking us questions that we ought to be able to get. They're giving us tests that we ought to be able to complete. Right. They're they're not standing in there, you know. You got some baseball players. You you, you ever you, you ever tried to hit a hit a guy who was you know throwing. Maybe the hardest pitcher I ever stood in against. Seventy miles an hour. You ever tried to do it? Jack, you played a little baseball growing up. you ever try to hit somebody throwing throwing in the 70s? No? I bet you couldn't hit it. Right? <laughs> I couldn't hit that. Alright? And they talk about guys throwing 80 or 90. I don't know how people do that. But but sometimes you get in there and like a guy's gonna make a point that he can throw it past you. That's not what's going on here. This is this is you with your kid in the backyard, and you're trying to lob that in there just fast enough that it doesn't fall to the ground, but slow enough that they can learn how to hit. Daddy's, you done that, right? I'm using baseball, but you can fill in the sport. You, you've done that. You're setting them up for success. I'm, try, I'm trying to teach them, right? I wasn't asking cause it, cause, because all of a sudden I want, I want Philip to solve my problem. I, Philip, I want you to think. I want you to understand, what does it mean to walk by faith? So, so God's provided before, right? I mean, we, we, we remember in the Old Testament about God providing for the widow, God providing in the famine. We remember uh, manna and quail as they're in the wilderness, right? I mean, Philip would have known all those things. He would have grown up with all of those stories. matter of fact, we... You remember how Jesus' ministry began? Like his very first miracle, you remember what he did? He turned water into wine. That's the first one. So, so it's not like, it's not like there's, there's nothing to base this idea that God can provide upon. I mean, we, we, we've seen that throughout the history of God's relationship with people. Do you know what, you know what Philip said? When he looked at the problem that Jesus was putting before him? 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to even receive a little he starts doing the math right he starts saying so we have so much money and we got so many people and if we can get 12 biscuits for a denarius that's about a day's wage if we got the if we got the barley right? Nobody wants those. Those are cheap. We could get 20 biscuits for every, for every denarii. And you know what? Hey, this is not going to work. We don't have enough money. This simply won't work. I mean, even if we broke them in half and gave everybody a half portion, it won't work. I'm facing this issue and I don't have a solution and I don't see any solutions. And so his solution is, you know, it just can't be done. We, we can't feed this many people. I can't feed this many people. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. It's the wrong answer because he thought the answer had an earthly solution. Isn't that the trap that we fall into? Isn't that why why we feel defeated, why we feel overcome, why our joy is robbed from us? Because we face whatever it is that we're facing and we try to analyze it and answer it with an earthly solution. When faith says, faith is the the, the conviction that there are things that are not seen. That there's something beyond how much money I have and how many biscuits are going to feed these people. That thing is God. And over and over, what the psalmist would say, be still. Here's your solution to your problem. And I know that you would like a more thorough diagram and what about this and what about that. I'd like to ask the same questions, but over and over, what does the Bible tell us? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be still and know that I am God. I want you to trust that there's something beyond you. As smart as you are. As strong as you are, as good looking as you are, as experienced as you are, you know, put your resume down and you're going to come up short in the end. I promise life will will, will let you know that. But not God. I want you to walk by faith. I want you to look around and say, Lord, I don't know how to feed these people. But you're the son of God. You're the creator, and so I'm thinking you can come up with a solution that's beyond anything that that I can think of. You are the answer. I had this thought maybe six months ago. I probably shared it before, but reading through here, if Jesus had wanted to, he could have created Chick-fil-A. Could he? If Jesus had wanted to, he could have created a Chick-fil-A that was open on a Sunday. I guess. He spoke the world into existence, guys. Philip, why didn't why didn't you say that? Lord, why don't you, why don't you create, I mean, I don't know, create McDonald's or something. You could do that. He's gonna feed these people miraculously. Do we consider God? I don't know what you're dealing with. I I know what some of you are dealing with, and, and some of you tell what you're dealing with, and some of you hold it really close to you. I I I don't I don't know. Even even those that I do know, I don't I don't have all the specifics. I do know that typically when I sit down with people and we talk about life, I don't have a lot of good answers. And it really frustrates me. Because I like to give answers. I like to fix problems. Don't don't we? But there's a lot of problems in life I don't have good answers to. Do you know who does? It's Jesus. It's our God. we think about this disciple this morning, I don't want to be someone who just analyzes life based on my worldly observance. I don't don't want my Christianity, I don't want my church to to be this this institution that's just about a a worldly perspective on the things that, that we're dealing with. Faith, faith is this assurance of things that are hoped for. It's this evidence or this conviction of things that are not seen. That's how the men of faith became the men of faith. And that's how we will glorify God. Even in the face of death itself. What Paul says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Where he says, you take these words and you comfort one another. He says, I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. It's just this phenomenal passage that if you've dealt with something as extreme as death, it can suck all the hope out of your life. He says, I want to tell you something that will give hope even even to death itself. That's an eternal perspective. I want you to think about whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's health, whether it's sickness, death, diet, whatever it is. And I just want you to ask yourself the question, what is the eternal perspective? And you may or may not have a good answer for that. I just want you to consider that it exists. And I want that to change the way that we think and that we talk and that we respond. We can talk about right and wrong. We can talk about sin and righteousness. One of the problems is that people want to have that conversation without, without thinking about eternity. I want to tell you that there's a, there is a thing called sin in this world. Not because I say so. I got lots of preferences, right? But that, that doesn't make something sinful. Sin is when we violate God's will. We, we need to know that, acknowledge that. And the eternal perspective says not only that that thing is a sin, but that the Son of God has died so that you could be redeemed of that sin. Why else, why else would you come down the aisle? Why, why else would you let someone else push you under the water? Why else would you change anything about your life that doesn't naturally come into your mind? if there were not an eternal perspective by which you can have hope in the midst of trial. I think that was Philip's struggle. I know that's my struggle. I got a feeling it's probably a lot of our struggles that we just think about this world in an an earthly way. But as Christians, the challenge is to think about it in a spiritual way. If you do that, it'll change your life. And it will change your eternity. Friends, if you have a need, you come this morning as we stand and as we stand.